and welcome back to the Mental Health Scoop. I'm your host, Naive McMullen, and if you caught last week's episode, you'll be happy to know that my voice has returned. But touch wood, because having a chesty cough during a global pandemic is not that ideal. But today, I am joined with the brilliant Ben West, and I've been a loyal follower of all his campaign and work in regards to mental health for many years. So it's just an absolute honour to have him on the show. But today, Ben is opening to discuss, you know, the coping mechanisms that helped him come to terms with tragically losing his 15-year-old younger brother, Sam, to suicide in 2017, and how his outlook led to many accomplishments in the mental health sector, from campaigning in 10 Downing Street to winning the Diana Award, and how we can help raise awareness. Enjoy! Hi, Ben, how are you? Hi, I'm good, thank you. Thanks so much for having me on. And I'm extremely delighted to have you on. And as I said before, I've been following your work for quite some time and I'm so intrigued to hear what you're up to at the minute. But do you want to start by explaining to the listeners how you've got to the point you're at today and why mental health is so important to you, Ben? Yeah, of course. So my story sort of starts around four years ago. Um, and you know, my brother at that time was, was diagnosed with depression in 2017, September 2017. Um, and to be honest with you, I had no idea what that really was. And mental health to me at that point wasn't something I was ever aware of. Um, no one had ever explained it to me. I really wasn't aware of what, what that meant. Um, and so when I was told I'm being diagnosed with depression, I just kind of thought, you know, what does that mean? Why can, how can you be diagnosed with being depressed or being sad? I just didn't understand it. And so I just sort of went in one ear, out the other. I didn't really think much of it. And then in January 2018, um very very unexpectedly and tragically sam took his own life and died and that came as obviously a huge shock to me because i didn't even know that that what he was going through could have ended like that i didn't know that that was something that could happen and so it was a massive massive shock um and it was a few weeks afterwards actually i started realizing that a lot of the people contacting me to talk about you know or just you know saying i'm oh, sorry to hear what's happened you know anything i can help you know let me know all of those sorts of messages people were also saying a lot about mental health and talking to me about their own mental health and i got hundreds literally hundreds of people talk to me and tell me about their own struggles what they were going through you know diagnosis they'd have family members that were going through stuff and i just realized that so many people like so many people were going through this and no one had any idea that that, that all these people were going for it um and so i really wanted to do something initially to sort of create that conversation within my local area, within my school, um, and sort of give people that opportunity to talk about these things. Um, and yeah, I mean, it just, it's just spiraled and snowballed and snowballed and gone. So it got to where it is now. And obviously, you know, over the, over the course of the couple of years, I've, I've launched a few petitions, been to government, been to 10 Downing Street, um, focusing mainly on sort of young people and young people's mental health um, and, and trying my best to, to do something to help. So, but it's been a, it's been such a roller coaster and, Honestly, it's such a lovely thing to be able to do as well, considering how it started, to be able to look back and sort of smile and go, actually, we've achieved so much in, in sort of Sam's memory, Sam's legacy, if you like, um, is an incredible thing. So it's been no, a busy few years. <laughs> completely. And you, sh- you should be so proud of what you've achieved. And I think definitely, it's especially over the last couple of years, this is where the, the talk and the conversation of mental health has increased. And, you know, there was a stigma for a long time and there still sort of is about being inferior and especially around male mental health. And I think there still needs to be a lot of improvement with in terms of that kind of topic. So I know that you're doing a lot in terms of that. But I know, you know, from the death of your brother, you were obviously 
relationship with grief and that's obviously a, a form of mental health as well because some people don't know how to cope with it yeah. and some people cope with it different in different ways better than others and I was just wondering do you know the way you have like the positive reframing that has been in, incorporated in your way of grief do you think that's how you started to try and get over your loss of, of Sam? I think yeah absolutely it was sort of my only real coping mechanism for me actually you know apart from talking to my friends and just you know having friends that I can cry on and I'm very lucky to have incredible friends that were brilliant through that for me really the only thing I really did to cope with what was going on was campaigning was going out there and starting these conversations and was the sort of that positive um nature I'm a positive person like I don't like being sad I don't like being down I, I like to be happy and doing things and, and enjoying it and so for me in that time you know I was either going through grief and going through all of that or I was in sick form I was having my a-levels I had, was a few months away from my a-levels so it's either grief or revision neither of which are very fun and so for me I just thought I needed something positive to do I needed something positive to do. And so I went to my friends and I was like, let's do a walk. Let's get people involved in a walk. Let's get people talking. Let's dress up in bright pink um, <laughs> and just try and make it as fun as possible because I just needed that positivity. But you're right. For me, it was it was one of the only things I really did at the time to look after myself. Um, and as, you know, as I've gone down the process, I've learned that there are more things that I can do that have helped. And I've, I've learned a lot over the last few years. But initially, that was really the only thing. I was just desperate for something that was positive. And for me, that was that was what I needed. Yeah, and that's really hard for a lot of people as well because, you know, you're so lucky that you did have that positive outlook. But even, you know, for family members, were they the same? Did they kind of adopt that outlook as well? Yeah, I definitely think it was sort of a family decision. It was actually what started the, what, what made me think about campaigning and doing something about these messages was my dad. Um, we got loads of anyone that's lost someone, as I'm sure so many people have, realised that, you know, when you do, people give you flowers and food and and which is lovely, absolutely lovely. But it got to a point where our house was just it looked like a florist and we had nowhere left to put food, um, which was incredible. But we got to a point where my dad was like, actually, so many people who want to help and want to help us. Um, let's do let's create a fundraiser and sort of direct them to that. And then we can sort of create a bit of a legacy and try and do something with it. And so he set up this fundraiser and he put the target at 10,000 pounds. And I laughed, I was like, mm, there's no chance we're gonna get that. And we hit it within days. And then it went to 20,000, 30,000. It was just unbelievable. Um, so yeah, I think our whole family was very much focused on on trying to create that positive from day one, it seems like we were like, okay, we're gonna try and do something now. And then obviously my parents and, and our family went on to set up the Sam West Foundation and. Um, so I think, yeah, it's been very much a common, a common sort of focus for all of us, um, which is, which has been really lovely actually to do that as a family. And you're particularly, um, you know, a lot of your work is emphasis around children because, you know, there is that lack of understanding. So you've done campaigning for teachers and teacher and teacher training, but also we're going to talk about at the minute because we're sort of in the same position, around the same age, university. So you have a very strong opinion about university and you've actually, I did see that you put a statement out saying that university kills. So do you want to expand a little bit about your opinion on that? Yeah, I think universities have for a long, long time failed to recognise that they have a duty of care to provide to students. Um, that, that's what it boils down to. You know, by law, universities must look after the health, safety and well-being of all of the people that are involved with the university. 
that's employees, staff and students. Um, and a key point there is they, their well-being has to be looked after. And we've seen over the last few years that, that the pressure at university has just been increased and increased and increased. And students have just been ended up being crammed into a pressure cooker. And so many universities really have not been very, very good at supporting those students. And unfortunately, especially over the last year, we've seen tragic, tragic stories come out of universities where students have died, um, where students have been driven to, to all sorts of dark places. Um, and, and that finger can very much be pointed at universities for, for causing and contributing to that person's death or, or, to, or to their struggles. And so for me, I felt really, really passionately um, it was actually a University of Manchester student last last September, Finn Kitson. I something about that just hit me really hard, really hard. And I spoke to his family, and I spoke to you know a lot of his friends, and realised there was so much more that needs to be done. Um, and so I launched that petition to make men, uh, to make mental health sports part of the league tables in the UK, so universities would be assessed because at the moment no university is actually assessed on how good they are at providing support. And so, so there's no real way of finding out which ones are good and which ones aren't. Um, and so, yeah, I think, yeah, university kills. Unfortunately, it does. But what we need to do is realise that, that, yes, it does, but we need to do everything we can within those universities to stop that happening. And at the moment, it seems like universities are putting more attention into, into protecting their reputation, to paying PR companies and, and sort of PR than they are actually doing the work to stop people and, and sort of cutting waiting times to their, their counselling service, making their services more accessible. Um, there's so much that needs to happen to improve it. Um, and it just sometimes seems like universities don't really have the um, the incentive to do that at the moment. Um, but yeah, I, I think that there's so much more that needs to be done in universities to protect those students that are vulnerable and that, that would otherwise um, fall under the pressure. Well, I agree, to be honest, but the thing is with my university, I'm quite lucky I go to Queen's in Belfast and there is a lot, there's a lot of, um, you know, campaigns and different type of, of, you know, charities set up and like even phone lines and everything that are set up for students. But the thing is, they've been set up by students and not by the yeah. university. So it's in the students' union that we have such a good students' union and we're so blessed to have our students' union president who's just been elected and has, her whole campaign was based on mental health. So we're lucky in, that ter in terms of that, but specifically specifically for you know maybe okay. universities that aren't as lucky with the students union like that there definitely needs to be something done and I think you're doing a great job at that and and you've actually left uni since since starting campaigning how did that happen and what was your decision for that oh yeah so um I did aerospace engineering okay mm -hmm. and anyone that knows me knows that that is <laughs> I don't know why I decided to do that um so from day one I realized that that was probably not the greatest fit um um you know I've no one really told me that there was so much maths involved and maths does not come quite as easily to me as it does to other people. Um, but, you know, I set it as a challenge. Like I, I got through first year, got through second year um, and it got to a point in third year we had coronavirus going on, you know, university was put online and it was just so, so hard. Um, and it, it started to really impact me and I have obviously everything else was going on and it got to a point where, I came to a bit of a crossroads where it was, it was, do I spend the rest of this year fully focused on university, nine to five every day, let's get it done and get the degree, or do I suspend, take a, take a year out and focus on, on the other opportunities that are coming, you know, social media, the activism, the, the stuff like that. Um, and to me, I, I saw more value and opportunity in, in leaving. Um, so, so that's, that's what happened. Um, and, 
to be honest with you, I've got no regrets looking back. It was a really big decision to make. It was terrifying, absolutely terrifying. And for months I've been like, have I made a massive mistake here? Um, and actually looking back on it now, I've, I've, I think in myself, I feel so much more relieved to be out of it because I didn't think I realised how much pressure I was putting on myself. I was working like three jobs at one point um, and it was just exhausting. And so as soon as I made that decision to leave, it was like taking a bag off. It was like so relaxing, so lovely. Um, and yeah, things are, things are going well. So it, it seems like I've made the right choice. So many people, it feels like, don't realise that there's an alternative to universities. No, that's really, it's good to hear that you're doing really well. And I think you definitely have made the right decision, Ben. But that's why I wanted to bring it up in the podcast, because I know, as you just said, there's so much pressure to do, go to university and get your degree whenever sometimes it doesn't fit for people. And when they're in the middle of their degree, they realise, you know, I'm actually not happy, but they continue to do it. And that's whenever it, their mental health deteriorates. So I think it's it's really good to become to terms with how you're feeling and, you know, acting and, and to get a positive change, you have to do something about it. And I think you really do have to take a minute to listen to yourself and listen to your mind and how you're getting on. And I think what you've done is, again, another great example for people that really need to, you know, have a look and um, look after their mental health so I think you're, what you did is, is brilliant and that's why I wanted to bring it up but I definitely do believe that you know there is improvements being made as I said but what other things do you think we could do Ben in university? Oh so much okay so really the idea behind what I'm doing is trying to give universities incentive because universities are fantastic fantastic at innovating and creating new things and researching and building new things and creating new ideas. And so for me, there seems like there's not really an incentive to innovate in the mental health support space at university. It's sort of like, we've got something, we've ticked that box, that's okay. And yeah, for some people that works great and that's brilliant. But I think there needs to be more incentive for universities to look at what they've got and not just go, we've got something there, we've got this, this service available, but actually step back and go, how can we make this better? How can we make this accessible for LGBTQ+, how can we make this more accessible for, for the African Caribbean community? There's so many more angles to look at it from. Um, but I think, generally, I think universities need to be more holistic in their, in their approach, because a lot of the time it's sort of, we've got a service, we've got this available, we've got this person, and they forget that actually a lot of the work around this would be not to people that need it, it's to people that don't know they need it. Um, and sort of creating a culture within the university that already supports people, training staff. I'm I'm calling for all, you know, all student-facing uh, lecturers, all student-facing staff within universities to be trained in mental health first aid. And that would create such a culture where you don't, this is the thing, you, you feel supported within that environment. Um, and it almost stops you falling to the place where you need to rely on the services that, that are available. Um, so I think definitely needs to be a more holistic approach. Um, but the biggest thing for me is just let's give them a reason to look at it and improve it because at the moment there's really no incentive to improve it definitely and there was as you said so many tragedies you know in this last year especially due to coronavirus and the pressures you know i know yeah. that specifically that case in manchester he was isolated and wasn't he so he was on his own and i think that was that was the isolation impact of COVID is is really destroying for a lot of people, especially when people are moving to university. Like think about the first years that haven't met friends yet, and you know it's a really scary time. So definitely there there's so much more to be done, and I think we could all if we all work together and we think of new ways that we can bring in these new mechanisms yeah. that help people. They're they're 
there can be a lot of improvements in the in the years to come. But I think we should focus on a little bit about your awards that you've achieved so far. So, you know, you've done some really amazing things and you said that you started Walk to Talk for Ben. Um, and for Ben, you, that's what you did for your friend, your brother Sam. And then you've also set up Guys Who Graduate. And, you know, what do these entail and what do they support? Yeah. So Walk to Talk was, was and Guys Who Graduate, it kind of came out of this idea that I wanted to give people a space to talk about this. Because actually, you know, we hear a lot of the time, oh, talk about your mental health, talk about your mental health. You log on to the TV and it's there. Talk about your mental health. It's on the radio. It's everywhere. Talk about your mental health but actually when you look at it you very rarely get an opportunity to do that and so for me it was about trying to build some sort of space where it gives people that ability to actually have that conversation and so walk to talk was great because it was you know we got people out walking we gave them that, that opportunity to have those conversations and, and the results were amazing people were having conversations about things they'd never talked about before and so guys who graduate is a very similar thing you know we talk especially guys especially men we don't talk about mental health enough. We don't talk about struggles enough. And I think what's amazing about guys who graduate is this idea that actually we don't have it all together. <laughs> we, we don't know what we're doing sometimes. And actually it's okay to, to, to feel really bad about what's going on and, you, and to feel a bit lost, especially leaving uni and going to the workplace. It's so daunting, so, so daunting. And I think we need to start as guys, especially, but as everyone really, start talking about the fact that we are all struggling in some way. And I think sometimes it's very easy to look at mental health as like the one in four, the people that are struggling, but actually you know, all of us have stuff that we go through. And talking about your mental health is not just talking about it when it's really bad. It's talking about it all the time. Talking about when you've got dips and lows and you're feeling a little bit anxious about something. Um, and I think that's that's the, what's special about guys who graduate and what's special about walk talk is this, it's just giving people that ability to have those conversations because it really, really is so important. I definitely agree and especially with that age because you know after graduation you know you're expected to have your stuff together your life planned out your things like that How, they, even people have pressure about getting families and certain families and getting married having money it's, it's like there's a lot of things that can cause a lot of pressure to people and that can cause people to break down and I definitely think that I've, I've never unfortunately heard of anything like guys who graduate over in Northern Ireland but it would be definitely something that we should try and bring in so I think it's really really important the way you've brought in especially for that age and and the Diana Award is that everything that you've sort of accomplished um, to this age, Ben? The Diana Award was um, oh, that was just so special. Um, it actually came out of I don't know, I can't remember where it came out of, but I just got a phone call one day and and they said I've been awarded with it, and it's just amazing because to be recognised in you know Princess Diana's legacy, she was just the most incredible woman for 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 creating change, for actually going against what people were saying, going against the trend. Um, and sort of saying what people sometimes are a little bit afraid to say. And she's just such a role model. And so to be recognised with with her award and to be given, you know, the Diana Legacy Award, it's like, it was so, so massive and so special. Um, and yeah, it was, it was absolutely amazing. And so the, as part of the Diana Award, you, you enter like a, a, when you're awarded, you enter like a development programme. So mm. I've done, it was almost two years ago now, that's mad. And I that I got it. So I'm at, I, I, like coming to the end of the development program, which has been amazing, where you just kind of they develop your activism, your all this stuff, and they work with with sort of professionals in the field. So really, really special. But honestly, it it's one of the most proudest things to to have achieved to be 
someone's like an award that's so high profile like that and to mean so much and then to look back at why how this all started for me yeah I do catch myself just looking at it and smiling and kind of <laughs> looking back at everything that's happened and, and it's sort of yeah it's a very it's a very very special thing for me. Definitely and that's how I actually came to know you as well from that a moment um, I obviously was I love watching the Diana Awards and hearing about it and the different awards and the different things because there's so many aspects of it which is so interesting like you know for the environment and everything and I thought it was so interesting and I just love learning about every, yeah. everything that everyone does it's really it's really empowering so that's how I came to know you and all the great achievements so whenever I start the podcast I knew that I would love to have you on because you've you've been amazing and you also had a campaign with Boris Johnston Ben um, he what kind of things did that create yeah so that i started a petition after walk to talk so we, we finished walk to talk and that the the response was just massive it was just huge and we got so much traction and so much you know momentum with it um we just thought we can't stop here we just need to do more we need to keep this going um and make it bigger and so i started talking to some people and realized that actually a lot of the teachers in fact most teachers don't receive any training on mental health at all during their teacher training, uh, which is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. They they get to learn how to use an EpiPen in case someone goes into anaphylactic shock, but suicide, mental health, it's not mentioned. And so for me, I was like, well, that <laughs> that's got to change. <laughs> let's let's start with start with that. And so I started a petition to make mental health first aid part of teacher training. And um, <laughs> for whatever reason, it just exploded. Um, it went massive, hundreds of thousands of of signatures i think it's sitting on 300 and something thousand now which is just crazy oh numbers but um i was actually in london for an event uh back in november 2019 and <laughs> the, the prime minister turns up and i'm like this is a bit unexpected okay and uh basically i just started getting chatting to him and, and realized you know that we were talking on camera and had this this interview with him on camera and i just cornered him and i was like we've got this petition going on um what do you think do you support it um, and I was at Downing Street a couple of days later. And, and finally, teachers are actually starting to receive this training, which is amazing because I think it's such a special tool and such an important tool to give teachers that ability to signpost students that they can see struggling and to know when to intervene. It's so, so important. Um, so, so, yeah, it was, uh, that, was, that was amazing. And to, to see something that I've created actually go out into the world and start changing what's happening, unbelievable, because who knows what that could have done in, in my situation. Another accomplishment it was then, Ben, but definitely, I I think, especially in primary school, I didn't learn anything about mental health. I didn't learn anything about being sad or having, you know, grief or anything. So just like yourself, whenever you're the tragedy of your brother, Sam, you know, you didn't understand what, what you know, the ins and outs of mental health and things like that. So it's really important that even they're getting teacher training on how to manage students um, and, and people that are having these issues but also how to recognize them which is so so important because obviously at the time you know some people don't even realize that they're going through it which is another problem about mental health so you know obviously i don't know if you're aware of this but the northern irish um, suicide rates are extremely high ben um, but it's been revealed through a study um, from the mental health champion in northern ireland that young people suffer from extremely high levels of inter intergenerational trauma and that actually you know stems from the troubles that we had in northern ireland so i don't know what you think about that um, but i do believe from th that there's actually something about genetics and mental health what do you have you ever researched into anything about this no, not particularly. I mean, it's. I think the whole mental health space, in terms of you know what actually 
It is. It yeah. is just unbelievable and, and so, so interesting. What I would say, though, is so much more needs to be done into understanding this. We are so, so we have such a basic understanding around mental health. And and I don't know, and I, I'm not a specialist in, in mental health at all. I'm just Ben. And, and I think this is a good idea. And I say what I think should happen and, and try and make it happen. And um, But I don't know the sort of the, the sort of science behind it. But what I do know is that we chronically underfund mental health research. You know, per person, I think the spends the spend on mental health research per person that's affected, I think it's about 10 times lower um, than what it is for cancer. Uh, the Mental Health Foundation has said that this is a chronic underfunding of research and it needs to be urgently addressed because that's how we can turn the dial on this situation. Yeah. You know, the reason that so many people survive cancer now is because we pumped money into cancer research and we understood it and we we diagnosed we got better diagnosis we got better treatment we did such a good job at treating it um, and understanding it that's how we turned the dial on that for exactly the same reason we need to better understand mental health understand why, what happens how can we properly diagnose it how do we know because we still for a lot of people medicines pills they they are trial and error we don't know what it's going to do to an individual it's still that it's such a basic understanding so i think actually i don't know about the genetics but we definitely should know about the genetics mm -hmm. i think we need to do more to research this and actually understand it definitely and are you aware of any charities that um would be good to invest your money in um for research and better research in mental health mq mq is fantastic they are they are sort of leading the charge on on the sort of mental health research front um okay. mq mental health is in the letters mq um, that, I don't know what they stand for, but that, they're really good. That's really good to know then for the listeners especially. And I wasn't aware of that either. But um, school-aged children as well, I wanted to touch on that. You know, we are aware that the waiting list for mental health treatment is up to a year and a half. So, Ben, for those who really urgently need that help and they can't wait a year and a half to be looked at, because who can? It, you know, when you recognise you have a mental health problem, it needs to be dealt with there and then. So are you aware of any, you know, or can recommend any type of services that are available to them, people that need that immediate help? Absolutely. Um, it's shocking that the waiting list is so long when we're talking about something that is so, so important. Um, and We're talking about fatal illnesses, right? They have a high mortality rate um, and, and the waiting lists are just unacceptably high. Um, what I'd say to people that are in that position is if you can afford private to go private, then then do look into that. Um, it is expensive, but it is also quite important. However, no one, very, very few people can actually afford that out of pocket. So there are loads of really good charities that do have their own counsellors that can give you free counselling sessions or can um, can put towards the cost of it um, if if you are if you are struggling to 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 wait for your, your sort of your actual NHS one. Um, so I know that Mind does does it. I know that the Lucy Rayner Foundation has has counsellors that, that that do this. Um, so there's definitely places there that you can help. There is also fantastic online services that you can use. We've got the uh, crisis text lines and there's a great website online called the hub of hope and if you search it you can search in your address in the uk and it will give you a list of all the services that are available in your local area um so these are sort of like things that that you can just go to and and, and sort of look at um and also i think it's important to keep that 
narrative open with your GP and with with your medical professional. And if you are really struggling, then it's not it's okay to just go again and tell them, be like, you know, what's what's happening? I'm really not okay. Um, so having those conversations is really really important. But what I would say is there's lots out there that is available if you are struggling. Um, but yeah, Hub of Hope is really good. Hub of Hope is a really really good one. That's another one I've never heard of, which is is great to know. Um, but you've also had you know very strong conversations with you know people about things that stem um, and create mental health issues and one of them was sexual harassment and i watched the conversation that you've done before and it was really really interesting so for those you know that, ha- that obviously haven't you know got to recognize that conversation you had or heard it do you want to explain some of the takeaway points that you received from them really really strong ladies absolutely what that was an amazing amazing conversation so interesting for me it was sparked by the um those people that didn't that weren't aware that it was sparked by the uh, death of sarah, sarah everard and what was going on there in, in in the uk and it was for me it was so eye-opening because everyone was coming out with these figures you know 93 percent of women have been sexually harassed and i had no idea yeah. i genuinely had no idea it was that bad um and for me it was like wow why did i not know and so i really wanted to sort of educate myself and educate other people so I invited people onto a live on Instagram and I was just like I just want to be educated here and I just invited people on we had a chat so so interesting I think for me the biggest takeaway I got from that and I did a few different events to sort of learn about it is the fact that there needs to be more of a push here from men it was so shocking how few men are actually willing to talk about this and it was like women were protesting and they were calling for change and they were up in arms. And I was like, this is not your problem. <laughs> this is not your problem to try and fight to change. This is our problem. You know, this is this is a problem for men. Why? Where is the outrage here? And so for me, it was like, I felt like I was, we, we were almost letting you down in a, in, a funny, in a funny way. And it shouldn't be about sort of walking your friend home. It shouldn't be about me taking my friend home and walking her home. It shouldn't be about that. We should change. We should be calling for change in, in all of that. So I, th- I think it was so, so interesting. And just to hear people's stories about what actually happened, because like I said, I really didn't, I, I didn't realise it was that bad. It was so, so shocking to me to see how many people have actually been affected and what actually goes on. Um, so for me, it was just such an eye-opening thing. And I know so many people found it really eye-opening as well, which is great, because this is what I think. I think so much that goes on in the world just needs to be talked about more. Because like mental health, exactly that. Uh, these these things just need to be aired more. And then once they're talked about, people start to understand. Um, so yeah, it was it was just so so interesting, so useful. It definitely was so interesting, and especially the fact that it was ninety three percent. That was the statement of, that was put out that women had been sexually harassed, and how many of them people have actually spoken out. So you know, it's kind of it's really really important that you know if anyone has ever mm. experienced something like that, just for the benefit of their own mental health, and you know, in in later years they may not be struggling with it because they put it to the back of their mind and what's happened. But, you know, in years to come, it will come to the forefront of their mind again and it may affect them. So one of the main things you can do is come to come to terms of what's just happened and, and talk about it and get and seek that help because, you know, it, you're going to see a lot of benefit from that. Um, but as you said at the very start, Ben, you said you're a very, very positive person. So do you want to kind of tell how you tell the listeners how you kind of remain that positive mindset? Yeah, absolutely. So I've, I've, over the years, I've learned a lot um about sort of looking after my, your mental health and, and i've kind of tried to put my dip my toes into a few things see what, see what works and actually 
that's really the biggest piece of advice I'd give people is there's so much out there that people tell you to do meditation, yoga, running, exercise, eating well. Um, and actually a lot of it sometimes doesn't work for people, but the best thing you can do to look after your mental health is try it, try doing these things, try, see what works for you. You know, people like journaling, writing down their thoughts every morning that might work for you. They might not, but give it a go because it'd be brilliant if it did. Um, and so, you know, some of the things I, I have worked for me and that do work, running it's just such an amazing thing for me just to be able to escape put my running shoes on go for a run um i live in liverpool i love there's like a run that goes down the mersey um the mersey river it's lovely um for me it's just such a nice thing because it's sort of about getting out get escaping get some fresh air and um, studies have shown like exercising even going for a walk for half an hour every day it actually over time if you reg regular exercise your the part of your brain that shrinks when you get depression actually expands which is the opposite of depression when you exercise um but there's so much out there online look, look at these services i know mind the website has loads of different techniques for looking after your well-being try everything try things see what works for you um uh, but also what i'd also say is one of the biggest lessons i learned um is that we are human beings not human doings and often people say what are you doing to look after your mental health and actually, sometimes the best thing you can do is nothing, um, is not do anything, try and fill the space, try and distract yourself. It's actually just sit there and feel how your brain is telling you to feel. I find this phrase, um, express your emotions, quite funny because for most of my life, I thought express your emotions, that's a bit pathetic. But actually, if you think about what that means, you've got a brain and your brain's telling you to feel a certain way. And so expressing your emotions is basically like just saying, okay, I'm going to feel that way. And so if you feel angry, be angry. Go and kick a ball. Go and shout into a pillow. If you're feeling sad, go and cry. And actually just feel how, you're being, how your brain is telling you to feel. Um, and so I think actually one of the biggest things I've learned is how important it is sometimes to just be and just don't do anything and just feel what you're meant to feel um, and, and just get it out. Uh, I think that's it's such an important lesson I learned. Yeah, and definitely that's what we said at the very start as well, whenever we were talking about how, you know, whenever in the instance of being in university and realising that you're not happy, that's when you have to take a break and you have to listen to your emotions on how you're feeling. And, you know, that comes, it doesn't come to just that situation whenever you're thinking about your career, but in many situations as well, you just have to have, you know, give yourself maybe five minutes a day, even a minute a day, just to have a break and to, you know, calm your mind and think, you know, organise your mind. That's a big part as well is, you know, being organised and that's, that's what comes with having control of your mindset. So I know you've kind of just answered this, Ben, but is there anything you would say to yourself or do in particular whenever you meet times of demotivation or hardship, just to finish us off? Yes. Yeah. So it's a bit it's a bit strange. Um, and on the surface, it probably seems a little bit weird, but I talk to myself. So I have a conversation. So I used to do all the time. Like back in my old flat, I'd like a, you could sit on my toilet and look into a massive mirror. And so I used to sit on the toilet lid and just talk to myself. And so for me, like a big, big problem I've faced recently is whether I leave uni or not. Mm -hmm. um, and that was a really difficult decision. I was really overwhelming, really anxious about it. And actually, I just I just had a conversation with myself. I just went to the mirror and I just chatted to him. And you know what? It worked. It makes you feel so much more comfortable. It gives you an opportunity to talk about things. And actually, I was speaking to a um, psycho psychologist um a few months ago actually and he says you know that is something that he tells 
is patience to do. Go and have that dialogue with yourself. Go and talk out loud to yourself. And actually, sometimes when something's going wrong, when we're facing that overwhelming period of time, when something's going wrong, our internal dialogue, what we tell ourselves is always really negative. It's like, oh, why can't I do this better? Why am I not like this? And actually, some of the, one of the best things you can do is be like, no, 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 let's not beat myself up here. Let's talk about this in a positive way, in a productive way to yourself. Um, and it's worked wonders for me. So <laughs> give it a go. <laughs> no, that's really good advice. So it is. I think I need to listen to that myself. But yeah, it's talking to yourself and, and listening to yourself. They're the main takeaways of today's episode, aren't they, Ben? Absolutely. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us. I'm sure the listeners have enjoyed this as much as I did. And it was great to have you on. And we're all going to keep on top of what you're, all the amazing things you do in the future as well. Thanks so much, Neve. Lovely speaking to you. So guys, that is us wrapping up on this week's episode of the Mental Health Scoop. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Um, You know, I just think that Ben's story is so empowering and he just has so much knowledge to share. So please do not hesitate to follow any of his socials because it genuinely is so interesting. And there's always things that you can learn about mental health and how to raise awareness. But it also goes to show, you know, even in the darkest time, there is ways that you can convert your strong emotions, whether that be grief or anger, into something positive. You know, anything is possible if you put your mind to it. So I hope you're doing well and I will see you next week on the Mental Health Scope.